0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about investing in emerging markets. Uh, So quite often, uh, markets, uh, stock markets are either classified as developed markets or emerging markets. And emerging markets tend to have Um, significantly better growth prospects than developed markets do. And probably these growth uh, prospects are are best reflected in Standard Charter's uh, projections, which Standard Charter is a a very well-respected global bank, um, and they predict that uh, the uh, GDP produce, a gross domestic product, which is really a measure of a country's economic output, Produced by both China and India, uh, it's expected to triple between 2017 and 2030, which is a, a a pretty amazing fact. And in fact, at the moment, China's GDP is uh, a little bit more than uh, the US, uh, but it's projected to be uh, by 2030 uh, more than double uh, the US. So you know that market has is projected over the next 13 years to grow go through a a massive growth phase and in fact a lot of this data is backed up by multiple sources so the international monetary fund predicts that emerging market economy growth rates will be nearly three times that of developed economies Uh, so I I thought it'd be good juncture to sit sit back and say okay well if we want to invest in higher growth markets how do we do that uh, in a safe and, and sound way so as I said at the beginning and stock markets are either classified as either developed markets or emerging markets. And you'd probably be most familiar with developed markets. Developed markets tend to have uh, a more robust and reliable financial system. So, you know, things like the country must be open to foreign ownership. There's ease of capital movement, so that he's getting money in or out of the country. Um, you've got uh, efficiency of market uh, institutions and government disclosure and regulatory regimes. Uh, aimed at providing investors with reliable and trustworthy information. So that is, it's it's developed, uh, it's uh, less risk, you know, you're, you're going to get transparency and reliable and timely information in order to make your financial decisions. Uh, so global economies uh, obviously include the US, uh, that makes up 62.8% of all developed markets. Japan, which is 8.4%, UK, 5.5%. France uh, 3.8%, Canada is about 3.3% and then there's 19, sorry 18 other countries uh, that are included as or, or regarded as developed markets, uh, you know Europe, most European, Western European countries etc and, and of course Australia's in there as well, uh, we make up slightly less than uh, 2% of global developed markets. Uh, Whereas emerging markets, uh, they tend to be obviously less developed. You know, there's not as much transparency, oversight, regulation. Uh, foreign ownership might be an issue. Ease of movement of capital might be an issue, um, and so therefore they represent these markets tend to represent slightly higher risk. And um, the largest emerging markets include China, which is thirty three percent. It's a big big part of emerging markets. Korea, thirteen percent. Taiwan, 11.4%. India, 9%. And again, there's another 22 countries that make up the remaining has a very long tail, uh, just like uh, developed markets. Uh, If you have listened to this podcast or been reading my blog for some time, you'd be well aware by now that I'm a fan of passive index investing as opposed to active investing. You know, passive investing is a very low-cost diversified way of Investing in a particular country, a particular market, or a particular asset class. So, you know, if I want to go and invest in the UK market, for example, or the US market, um, I can employ various different indexing strategies that allows me to do that. But the common theme between those strategies are that they're very low cost. There's they're rules based, which means that we can, which means they're really evidence based because we can see how they would have performed if we had of. Uh, implemented the same investment rules over the last 30 years, um, and, uh, and they're very transparent uh, and very diversified. And really diversification, particularly in developed markets, is, um, is a, a real key to, in order to producing good quality uh, long-term returns. Uh, also, the, the evidence is overwhelming in terms of uh, index funds in the long run producing better outcomes, so better returns. Um, and in the most recent uh, data prepared by S&P Dow Jones, which is an index fund provider, only 16% of active fund managers beat the Australian market and 11% beat the US market over the past 15 years. So it's not very compelling. In fact, that data is a bit deceptive because you go, well, 16% beat the index over the last 15 years in Australia. That's not too bad. Uh, but actually, it's not the same 16%. Naturally, you know the the outperformance doesn't or really persists for more than uh, two to three years. So over that 15-year period, the the fund managers that were in that top 16% are going to be different. Which means that you need to um, uh, when when you need to find the next best you know active fund manager and know when to. You know, jump off the ship, and when to uh, and when to invest with them. So, as a general rule, active money, active funds management is a bit of a flawed strategy. It's expensive. The overwhelming evidence suggests that it's not going to work. So, you go with indexing. However, when it comes to investing in emerging markets, indexing doesn't perform as well as it does in developed markets. Obviously, because as I as I previously explained. The hallmarks of a developed market is that um, you can probably uh, assume that the market is going to accurately value companies in the long run in a developed market. You can't necessarily make that same assumption in emerging markets. So as I said previously, one of the hallmarks or one of the key consistent things you want in a developed market is diversification. Um, and that's because what you don't invest in, what you miss out on, is probably what going to is probably what's going to hurt you in a developed market. Whereas in a emerging market, the key is to avoid the poor quality companies because you don't, don't necessarily have that transparency around, um, you know, the, the, the reliability of the information that's disclosed by companies. So you can get caught out if you're investing in something that's overvalued. Or something, or a company that doesn't actually have the growth prospects uh, that that uh, you might otherwise uh, see, uh, and so therefore, uh, um, a better approach when investing in um, emerging markets, in my opinion, is to actually employ active management. You, in fact, you want to, in my view, employ a high, what's called a high conviction active manager, which means that they only they're very selective about what they invest in, and they might have a portfolio of fifteen to twenty stocks Um, that they're going to pick the eyes out of, you know, the 15 to 20 best stocks that are available within an emerging market, having um, consideration to sort of geopolitical risks and so forth. So you want to make sure that what the government is trying to do in a particular country is going to um, not contrast with what the company wants to achieve. So natural gas was uh, something that China wanted to uh, pursue, and I know one of the active fund managers that we use invested in a company that was a, a natural gas retailer in China and has been connecti- uh, connecting literally millions of households per year. Well, the Chinese government was a big push from the Chinese government uh, and the fund managers recognised that and that's a good example of how, you know, if you can be really selective and making sure that you're investing in good quality companies that have high growth prospects at a fair price. Um, The other thing to uh, take note of is what I'd probably call the the, the President Trump effect. Uh, And that is obviously, uh, you know, you'd be well aware that there's uh, US sort of China trade tensions, talks and so forth, introducing tariffs, you know, um, playing that sort of political game in regards to uh, international trade. Uh, And and stock markets, as a general rule, uh, don't like uncertainty. And typically when there's uncertainty, uh, hanging around, typically stock markets uh, fully price in worst case scenarios, and it's certainly what's happened. Uh, I think with emerging markets at the moment, so uh, that they that is they're undervalued uh, compared to their longer term trend. And if you look at the cap ratio, which is a which is a, a good forecaster of longer term returns, uh, research affiliates, which is a US research house. Uh, suggests that there's a 90% probability that over the next decade, emerging markets' returns will be somewhere in the range of 4.3 to 11.1%. Big range, uh, but obviously there's a volatility uncertainty there. But essentially, showing that really, of all the markets that we could invest in, emerging markets are potentially going to have uh, the best returns over the next decade, plus also potentially because of this Trump effect, because of this US. China trade tension, uh, emerging markets uh, are valued at lower multiples uh, than they have historically been over the longer term. Uh, over the past five years, so what returns have there been? So over the past five years, the, the managers that I prefer to use, uh, by the name of Martin Curry and Fidelity, uh, are a couple of examples, have produced double-digit returns in the range of 11 to uh, to 12%. Uh, over the past five years, which compares favourably, if you have a look at Vanguard's emerging market fund, uh, it's done about seven and a half percent over the same period of time. So I guess that that demonstrates there the difference between indexing in emerging markets and active uh, funds management. Uh, it's also to it's also possible uh, if you want to to be a little more aggressive in your emerging market investments. And one of the funds I really like. Uh, invests in the top 50 tech companies within Asia as you can imagine if you look at that GDP growth and also the population growth the urbanization of population in both China and India um, it potentially provides really strong growth prospects for uh, technology companies because they're obviously highly scalable leveraged businesses Um, and so BetaShares a fund manager BetaShares has a product that invests in the top 50 tech companies Uh, such as Alibaba, Samsung, uh, uh, Taiwan Semiconductors and a gaming company called Tencent, which is, uh, all these companies are incredibly valuable uh, and are, are valued at lower multiples than their counterparts are in the US. So therefore they're representing value, they've got growth and they've got strong quality fundamentals as well. Of course, please don't go out and start investing in a fund that's run by Mountain Curry or... Fidelity or Beta shares or so forth. You must get independent advice. Um, I only share these names with you just to give you examples of the types of investments that I'm talking about. In fact, emerging markets uh, typically exhibit a higher risk uh, than developed markets. Uh, Volatility is high, which means prices can change uh, quickly and there can be large movements. So I would typically not invest any more than five percent of a portfolio in emerging markets, unless you were, unless it was money that you were, um, dare I say it, happy to lose. Uh, you know, unless you're you're um, uh, very, uh, you know, you've got a, a strong risk appetite, uh, then typically five percent or less of your money of your portfolio should go into emerging markets. Um, And really, your portfolio really should be a diversified portfolio of mostly developed share markets uh, and also bonds and so forth. Uh, So if we think about it, just to wrap up, you know, over the past uh, century or more, global wealth has really centred around, uh, well, firstly, Europe and then uh, the the US. However, if you think about the next 13 years and these projections – say, by 2030, the, the, the Chinese and Indian economies are projected to be significantly larger than uh, USA, somewhere between one-half to two times larger, both those economies, which they haven't been, uh, certainly, in the past. And, and that's that's a tremendous amount of growth over what is a relatively uh, short period of time. And I can't help that think that Australia will just because it's located in close proximity and in very similar time zones, uh, Australia's really well positioned, excuse, excuse the pun, pun, to benefit from this tremendous growth that's going on around us. But also, it's a good time to start thinking about whether your investments are, are well also well positioned to enjoy some of that growth. And uh, in a, an astutely s- structured, uh, diversified share portfolio, I think certainly now, um, uh, is a great time to start considering emerging markets just because of where the starting valuation point is, uh, but making sure you get that right, but without uh, overexposing the portfolio to too much risk. Uh, so as always, uh, there's more in the blog and uh, the show notes to the podcast, podcast episode. Uh, also, I've got on the website a graphic uh, that illustrates the growth in GDP um, of those emerging markets and some of the developed market, um, uh, developed markets around the world. It's kind of an interesting chart. So uh, certainly have a look at that on the, on the website, on the blog page, uh, until next week, that's it for me. Bye for now.